0: I'm Len, the host of uh, Targeted Justice v. Garland, a podcast about an extraordinary lawsuit. And this is week number 40. And this is also episode number 30. We're going to do some reshuffling. uh, Because if you go to other platforms where the podcast also lives, like Spotify, you will see the episode enumeration rather than the week enumeration. So in order to give this podcast uniformity, I'm switching to episode number. And I'm going to call it The Great Reset, (laughs) even though the name is already taken. But I can't possibly call it a smaller set because there's nothing small about what we're doing here. We're discussing topics that will affect lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans and millions of people worldwide. So sorry, Klaus Schwab, I will unapologetically plagiarize from your disgusting, inhumane, plan name. So that's a little housekeeping. Uh, So we will continue making our podcast every Sunday, rain or shine. uh, But sometimes we have additional bonus episodes, and thus it is more convenient to keep track of the episode numbers rather than numbers of the week. So hopefully I explained it sufficiently, sufficiently clear. Today we do not have a special guest. But I guarantee the episode will be just as engaging. I also noticed our episodes have become longer and longer. And I really want to keep them around uh, about an hour. I feel somewhat guilty asking you to spend more than that on a Sunday evening or, or, or whenever you listen to the podcast and take it away from your loved ones. Unless you listen to it together. In that case, please leave a comment. I would love to hear how that's going. So this is episode number 30. And with me, as always, the attorney for the plaintiffs and now also for plaintiffs and appellants, the legal engine of TargetedJustice.com and truly the bravest woman I've ever met, my friend and my podcast co-pilot, Anna Toledo. Good morning, Anna.
1: Good morning then. Thank you for that introduction. I am so happy and excited to be here today because uh we have really good things to discuss.
0: I noticed your t shirt. Did that's you see? The
1: picture. I have now that is the picture uh, from I have your, like you.
0: From your Twitter account. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, well that's my yeah, that's my uh well I'm actually I'm wearing my, you know, I'm all, always wearing uh and I tell everybody to wear a water bag in front of your heart to protect it, because without heart, we don't have life. So I always, so you know, I have my. But eh, this is a T-shirt of um that was the amazing artist that is helping us, our very talented artist that is helping in our Etsy store. He made uh one of these and um. So, you know, we're urging everybody. You don't have to get this one, but you're, we're urging everybody to get their T-shirt for the rally in New Orleans. So go to the Etsy store. We're going to put a banner in the in the homepage so you can get there easily. But yeah, so he made me one and I was like, oh my God, I've never had a T-shirt made. So thank you to you, wonderful person out there.
0: Isn't it wonderful how so many talented people want to donate their time to our cause, want to be associated with targeted justice. We unite people under the same cause. I had an interesting conversation in the YouTube channel comment section. There's this person that came and said, I do not align with uh, Targeted target justice because I think what you're doing, it can be done better. And basically he kind of laid out a plan in which you would file a lawsuit based on the allegations of torture, et cetera, et cetera. cetera. And I understand we have difference of opinion. So I asked um, uh, this gentleman, I said, well, you are not aligned with uh, targeted justice because we basically have a difference in opinion, but don't you support the effort of uh, targeted justice? And his um, response was somewhat interesting. It, I, I called it an uh, exercise in ambiguity, but nevertheless, <laughs> I actually invited him to be on the podcast. I would like to have him to it's like a separate conversation with him and really dig into his arguments. I, I think it would be fascinating. I'm, I welcome everybody who has a different different opinion. We can all have different opinion, and we at the same time can unite under a common goal.
1: If I can add to that, yes, it,
0: please, yes, please.
1: It's very easy to criticize, but people don't understand. It took uh, the work of uh, four months to uh, craft, craft the first complaint, and um, over two hundred lawsuits of targeted individuals have been dismissed grounded on their torture allegations on on all the, you know gang stalking to do everything they have been dismissed over and over and most of them and i'm making a database of it most of them were not even reported in the federal supplement which is the official books where these opinions get published okay so the beauty of the case we filed is that it's grounded as i have stated a gazillion times and sorry to bore you but this is important people get it it's the same for everybody it's a matter of law that you cannot have innocent people non-terrorist on a terrorist database for many reasons most important of them is that The Homeland Security Presidential Directive that authorizes this law enforcement tool does not contemplate putting their people on that list for any other reason that it's not a known or suspected terrorist. So this is a a rule that applies to everybody. If you're not a terrorist, you shouldn't be on any list. And in, in that context, it's a matter of uncontroverted law it's an uncontroverted fact because Mr Timothy Groh admitted to it the former de- deputy director he admitted in people non-terrorists that are not a threat to national security are on that list Mr Samuel Robinson then came and said they're there for secret criteria and i say it's illegal it's unconstitutional and you know it's across the board it doesn't matter if you have b2k it doesn't matter if you have uh gang stalking it doesn't matter if you have whatever you know i'm the most targeted person in the world it doesn't matter if your name is on the list which all targeted individuals are in handling codes three and four your name should not be there because you're not a terrorist threat you're not a threat to national security and that is a matter of fact uncontroverted fact and uncontroverted legal conclusion in this context, I just want to just insert in here that uh, I am going to be responding to everybody that submitted the form that we put we put in the targeted justice page. People should know that what we are doing is we are going to petition the court to see the TSDB be unredacted because what the defendants want to do is give us a little data set that they will manufacture. No we want the un- we want to see access to the unredacted database and look up targeted justice members and the people that have registered their names up in that database and that i i am here reinstating that that form goes straight to an email i created my personal email it doesn't go to any general t justice email And uh, so, yeah, of course, it's done through Microsoft. So, uh, you know, uh, government criminals may try to interfere. And that's why I'm doing the double check of I will send you an email confirming I got your information. So and that's why it's not about my evidence will prove the case. Your case got dismissed because you didn't have my evidence. No, we are at a pleading stage. And this case does not depend at this point, on the individual evidence of torture. At this point, we are relying on the fact that all those plaintiffs have been because that d- depends on discovery, obviously, that all those plaintiffs, including you, are illegally placed and designated as suspected terrorists in this handling coast three or four. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, we'll keep talking and we'll keep repeating. One of the things that, one of the missions that we have here is to educate and sometimes repeating it multiple times in various contexts, in various forms. That's what it takes. That's what it takes for you to get comfortable speaking about just like Anna is, is comfortable speaking about. We want you to get on that level And once you get that level of confidence, you will sound like a pro. You will be an absolutely, the best advocate for yourself and for everybody in the movement. Okay, so I'm really enjoying this conversation, but we need to get to the legal topics today. So this week, I would like us to discuss one of the cases that you, Anna, digged out that will be extremely relevant to the oral arguments in the Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. You truly found a gem, Anna. I know a lot of people respect your legal expertise, but I don't think they have a complete understanding of what you have done in everything surrounding our case, the case of the century, Targeted Justice v. Garland. You found a jewel, a magic bullet, nothing less than Excalibur. And I'm referring to the case called Ramirez versus TransUnion. We are all about educating our viewers. So I couldn't resist. And I prepared some slides that will educate you, our viewers, targeted individuals and our allies to allow you to speak comfortably and confidently about very complicated legal issues. Knowledge is power and we are dedicated to empowering you with knowledge. So when anyone asks you about the case, you impress them with a degree of understanding of how your rights have been taken away, how specifically your rights have been taken away. Be a pro, I think I'm repeating myself. Be a source of reliable information. Insist on being factual and precise. Take control of the conversation and explain how specifically you are fighting on getting your rights back. Be assertive, be knowledgeable, and be a good communicator. Well, the legal part is on, and it's called Sergio Went to Buy a Car. It sounds like a a fun story. Let's see what actually happens. Well, in February of 2011, Sergio Ramirez accompanied by his wife and father-in-law, went to buy a Nissan Maxima at a Nissan dealership in Dublin, California. A dealership ran a TransUnion credit report on Ramirez, which contained the following alert. OFAC advisor alert. Input matches name on the OFAC database. And we'll explain what OFAC means. As a result, Nissan salesman, Told Ramirez that Nissan would not sell the car to him because his name was on a terrorist list. How is that story so far, Anna?
1: That story so far is that the terror screening database is a compilation of 12 databases from different agencies that supposedly contain the name of suspected, known and suspected terrorists. And the OFAC one is one of them in this particular case well, well as we go along we'll discuss it but key i want everybody to keep in mind this that i think ramirez is a targeted individual i think all plaintiffs members of that class action are targeted individuals and they don't know it maybe some do know it but because this is a case against a private enterprise which is transunion Because TransUnion informed third parties that these people could be suspected terrorists. And this is where the TSDB got out of hand. Because even though it's an OFAC list, OFAC goes by the TSDB. And so, since people have a right to know why their loan was declined... That's when they say TransUnion by mistake labeled them as a suspected terrorists. It was not TransUnion. Tra- what the, the mistake TransUnion made was notify them that they are on the terrorist list, even though they have a right to know, right? But what what the re- the real mistake and and this entire case, I think TransUnion doesn't really point the finger at where it has to point, which is. Those guys are saying you're suspected terrorists. TransUnion was told you shut your mouth and you say it was your mistake.
0: Let's move on and explain what else was happening in this case. So we heard this name OFAC. And so beginning in 2002, TransUnion introduced an add-on product called OFAC Name Screen Alert. OFAC stands for U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control. And this OFAC maintains a list of specifically designated nationals who threaten Americans' national security like terrorists, drug traffickers, and other serious criminals. And it is unlawful to transact business with any person on that list. So that's the product that TransUnion sold to this dealership, and the dealership got this alert. Well, the question I have for you, Anna, is, sounds like this knowledge that Ramirez is a terrorist came from OFAC, but where did it really come from? We know that there's a centralized terrorist screening database maintained by the FBI. So could there be any other source of this information for OFAC to give to TransUnion and to inform them that... Uh, Ramirez is a suspected terrorist.
1: Yes, you can go online, and I think that you can actually access OFAC's uh, list through the internet. It's a service that banks can directly connect to OFAC, because I've seen it. When you're going to open an account, they do that. As I said before, I'm absolutely certain TransUnion is in the distribution list of the TSDB. They are among the 1,440 entities that receive it. You have, for example, like I have mentioned before, that when somebody's going to wire money through Western Union, right now they are being denied. Many targeted individuals are being denied sending or receiving money. So that, and that I think that's part of the OFAC list at this time I just I know that they go hand in hand like what OFAC has is definitely contained in the TSDB. okay I don't know if it's a sub list or whatever I thought it would only contain known and suspected terrorists but it seems it's being expanded to contain everybody I don't know I don't know we have to do discovery on this but clearly a Homeland Security presidential directive stated that it was consolidating all terrorists listening to one. So I, I don't know how they are treating them differently because the, the purpose of the TSDB was a consolidation of information. I don't know if you have in your future slides, but in this case, there were 1,853 class members whose information that names were attached to being a suspected terrorist was disseminated to third parties by transunion and then there's 6,332 that were labeled as suspected terrorists but since they didn't apply for a loan or, or, or didn't engage in any activity that required transunion to disclose that information to third parties they the, the court the supreme court held they didn't have injury in fact because the injury in fact as have you seen is is a, the the concrete harm that the court concluded is we'll, we'll go into that but it's the damage to their reputation by telling a third party that somebody is a suspected terrorist which is what we have been alleging okay my my opinion is that everybody the ones to whom the information was not sent to third parties about, and the ones that their information was sent, they are all targeted individuals. They're all, and and TransUnion admits they were erroneously labeled as targeted, as um, suspected terrorists because they were not supposed to know they were on the list, which is exactly what happened to Calvert And Stuart, in our case, they were not supposed to know. But in this case, Ramirez didn't connect a dot with, maybe he doesn't even know he's a targeted individual.
0: We certainly, we can't wait to find out what's really going on. And the discovery in this case would be tremendous. The question that I found interesting is that TransUnion when it was faced with these uh, allegations, they said that it was erroneous that uh, Ramirez was a terrorist was a, it was a mistake. However, the court determined that TransUnion Fair Credit Report Act reporting were willful, and this is how they justified it. They said, TransUnion had been previously sued over its OFAC alert in 2005, which is definitely after the Terror screen database was formed. And despite a jury verdict, implemented few changes. So they knew something was wrong with that, and they didn't fix it. Therefore, what they did to Ramirez was willful and not erroneous. Do you have any comments on it?
1: Yeah, I just think TransUnion is between a, hard, a rock and a hard place because the Fair Credit Reporting Act has gives consumers the right to know what about their credit report triggered a negative decision against them in a credit evaluation. So if the person has perfect credit and they deny him a, pr- a loan because he's a terrorist, but Transunion has to tell him why he was denied because that's the law. But then they're told you cannot tell them you're they're a suspected terrorist. So it's you know that this is where this is where like a, you know, Wiley Coyote where where the acne bombs explode all the time in the face of the government criminals. You know, they make these structures and they thought it was gonna work perfectly, but it doesn't because there is such a thing as a fair credit reporting act, and people have a right to know why they're loaned was declined so i just think that transunion is taking responsibility for something that it's really an obligation of them to do because if the if the government feeds them the information that ramirez is a terrorist they have an obligation to tell it to the bank that is doing the evaluation and then ramirez has a right to know that that's why the bank rejected his loan so you know it's it's a catch-22 for for TransUnion Uh, I'm not defending here uh, anybody I'm just saying it's one of those things that probably when this program was created they didn't consider that there was going to be people that were going to find out but but in this case what TransUnion did to to save today was to say, no, no, it was our mistake. I don't, I, I, I'd love to know how they're dealing with it now. Probably not denying. I I think that probably what they decided to do, the banks, they decided to not deny loans based on this, because then people would find out that they are a suspected, they are labeled erroneously as a suspected terrorist. That's what I, I, I surmise they, they should be doing now.
0: Okay, let's let's find out what my next slide is. <laughs> oh, this is sort of my conclusory page. I did exactly the same logical step that you did. I combined Ramirez and Calvert and Stewart into the same category because they all suffered injury due to their erroneous status as terrorists. And they were all defamed and they were refused services. Ramirez could not buy a car. He was blatantly refused that service. <laughs> Calvert was refused medical services. They said, for until we secure the territory, we can we can provide you medical service. And then also we hear that he was also uh, denied financial services when he was trying to make a transfer by Western Union. And then Stewart was refused law enforcement when the a sheriff looked at the file files and said, I cannot help you. When you go to the police and you state your complaint and the police says, I can't help you, that's a refusal of service, of law enforcement services.
1: I, I totally agree with you. But in, in the case of targeted individuals, this is what is so crucial, that. Okay, Ramirez had a right to purchase his car. He had good credit. He didn't have to undergo uh, the, you know, embarrassment and hassle of not being able to buy it. It, it. His wife ended up buying it, but it's it's a material thing. In the case of Stuart Calvert and most targeted individuals. It's their life that's at stake. Uh, Calvert almost died because the ambulance took so long to take him to the hospital because the sheriffs wouldn't allow the ambulance um, employees to come and get him, the medics, and take him and rush him to the hospital. It could have cost him his life. This er error of designating him as a suspected terrorist in a fraudulent list. And because this is a fraudulent list, because FBI has admitted that innocent people that are not a threat to national security are included in this list. I mean, the same with Stewart. She has a right to be protected by law enforcement. And as most targeted individuals know, police just, they are instructed to deem you crazy and to totally disregard your claims. protecting this criminal enterprise known as the program I want to emphasize regarding the importance of Ramirez I just want to read because like you said we want targeted individuals to be empowered we want you to be able to talk the talk so that instead of the oh he's just crazy, delusional, bizarre fantastical, whatever let's just talk what the Supreme Court says. And the Supreme Court said this, various intangible harms can also be concrete. A plaintiff automatically satisfies the injury in fact requirement, whenever a statute grants a person a statutory right. And also it says, even if there's not a statute creating a cause of action, there are concrete harms that grant a person that standing, which comes from the injury, in fact, a concrete injury. And he says, the Supreme Court here said, we agree with the plaintiffs. Under long-standing American law, a person is injured when a defamatory statement that would subject him to hatred, contempt or ridicule is published to a third party. Every day, the TSCB is distributed to over eighteen thousand law enforcement, state, tribal, and federal agencies. Over, and because these are not two thousand nineteen numbers. Remember that these are numbers we got from the El Haiti versus Cable case. These are not updated. I would say that in four years, the numbers have gone up substantially. Particularly when DHS has enrolled its program to make the United States a stasi state by having private corporations go around being snitches but that's another that's a topic for another a uh, but that's a, an article came out 2 weeks ago my my point here is that the supreme court has recognized that falsely labeling someone as a suspected terrorist and telling third parties that that person is a suspected terrorist that creates A concrete harm. The people that were not harmed in this case, that were not found to have entered in fact is because their erroneous information labeling them as a suspected terrorist was not sent to anyone. Now, how does that, uh, in the context of our case, which is what I wanted, you know how I said when we discussed the past two weeks of false and misleading statements of the court Okay, perk up your ears, because this is really important to all of you out there. One of the things I didn't mention, because as I said to you, there were so many, but I only chose the most important ones. The court, page 12, says, TransUnion does not apply to this case. In that case, the party stipulated that TransUnion maintained an incorrect credit report information for all class plaintiffs. The court held that those plaintiffs whose incorrect credit information was not distributed to third parties did not suffer concrete harm. Yeah, that's true. But what this decision, our memorandum and order decision doesn't state, is that the Supreme Court held that erroneously labeling a person as a suspected terrorist and distributing it to third parties constitutes concrete harm. So I wanted to tie in Ramirez to our case because it's so essential. It is that distribution that makes it so that when you go to the supermarket, you get gas talked, you know, so that there's just a lot of things, you know, when you try to do a Western Union transfer, you get denied. When you go to an Airbnb, as one of our advisory board members was, she gets escorted out of the place because she's a threat, a security threat. Or I mean, we all know the plethora of events in our lives where where we just know, you know, the hacking, the constant that this morning you had it, the constant yeah. electronic interference, you know, it's just because even some people like we're going to talk about it now, InfraGard and Citizen Corps and all those people that go around like vigilantes, they are told that targeted individuals are suspected terrorists and what they don't know is that they cannot be dispensing justice and their at their leisure as they do illegally interfering with our conversations with our computers with our phones but they continue doing it with absolute impunity because this list is distributed throughout the nation labeling targeted individuals as suspected terrorists so that's why The case is so significant and and it's so relevant to our appeal because that is one of the things that we alleged you know that is the principle the main thing we are alleging it is this the illegal distribution to third parties across the nation and in 60 countries what makes it so atrocious for targeted individuals so that's my conclusion of it
0: Uh, thank you anna I want to uh, detail on something that you mentioned. You mentioned that I myself had one of those hacking interferences just this morning, and you're correct, Anna. So let me explain to people what happened. On the first of the month, I go to Cornerstone. It's one of the ways you can donate to targeted justice. I do my donation. And every month, I encounter an an empty web page. And it says the the page doesn't exist, or so you don't have access, but my internet is working. I can access every website, but yet every time I'm trying to access this financial service, I get a refusal of service. And I have to call Cornerstone Customer Service And then they go to their IT and then they ask me, what is your IP address? And I say, here's my IP address. And they said, well, your IP address is blocked and we don't know why it happened. We don't know how it happened, but we will unblock you and you will be able to use the service. But my question is, What is the reason my IP is being blocked every month so I can't use it just normally without any interferences? So the question I want to ask that you kind of partially answered uh, already, does it matter that you are on TSDB?
1: Well, here's the thing. Everything that happens to targeted individuals derives from their inclusion on this list. If they were not illegally and erroneously included and designated as suspected terrorists, they wouldn't be targeted. So either they have no clue or the the plaintiffs, they have no clue they're targeted or they just didn't connect the dots. Uh, and and they accepted the, you know, yeah, it, it was a mistake. It was an error. Um, just like in the Ibrahim case that we discussed a few weeks back, mm-hmm. where the California court, a district court for the Northern District of California concluded Ibrahim was put in the terrorist screening database by mistake no it was not a mistake fbi testified it was a mistake but i i really don't think she, i just think she was targeted and the court concluded she, it's it's being proven she's not a terrorist uh defendants admit she's not a terrorist she's not a threat to national security yet she remains in the terrorist screening database and that is what's got to end because this is not, uh, you know, we're we're going in a really bad direction, uh, putting people on lists and and having people just go around like vigilantes. This cold I have, you know, I, I I I preach to everybody, be careful, don't get poisoned. So went to dinner and I think they, you know, laced my glass with something because I I, I don't interact socially with anybody to get this terrible flu I got, and uh, and it's just you know what what makes a person that doesn't even know you do this kind of harm and it is because you are on this list and they and people think they're being heroes so we have to insist it's not about the individual harm to each targeted individual instead is the overall you know a deprivation of services deprivation of rights that comes along being declared or being falsely erroneously illegally labeled as a suspected terrorist and that's what we're going to end and we're going to continue fighting till it doesn't matter how many cases it takes i'm never gonna stop i'm never gonna stop until a we're free and b we put these cretins in jail because like i have said before the mk ultra people were uncovered yet nobody did a day in jail and that's why they repackaged the program into what we have today. They they merged, Contel Pro with MK Ultra into the heinous program we have today, and that has got to stop. And people have got to, to go to jail for life because they are traitors to this nation. So that's my morning take on it, Len.
0: Thank you, Anna. You, you certainly answered this question, does it matter that you're on TSDB? Yes, it has real-life consequences, more than you can imagine. The second topic I would like to discuss us today is the 2020 FBI memo that was obtained via FOIA request by um, board member for uh, Targeted Justice Richard Lighthouse and if you read Target Justice Newsletter, you know which one I'm talking about. If not, follow my lead. So I thought, this is not the first and this is not the last time we're going to talk about our favorite agency, the FBI. So I thought, why don't we create series and we're going to call it the FBI Files. What did the FBI do now? So this is the issue number one. And it's about the so-called doxing memo. It was issued in February of 2020. It was obtained by a FOIA request. And I think we should follow it under humor because it's, it really put a smile on my face. Let's see if you have the same reaction. Just to give you a little structure to this entire situation, we have the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. We have an Office of Private Sector, under the FBI uh, with its mission to protect our national economy and national security by strengthening the FBI's relationship with the US private sector and academia. It has two main divisions. One is Domestic Security Alliance Council, or called DSAC, which has people from 1,000 fortune companies, so the big shots. And then it has InfraGuard, which has smaller companies, smaller shops, and also individuals that do a lot of this work on the ground. It's all part of a well-oiled machine, along with the fusion centers, et cetera. The memo was issued by this Office of the Private Sector, and it was called a Liaison Information Report. It came from here, and this particular memo the information cannot be released outside of the community. So, therefore, it was obtained by the FOIA request. So, the purpose of this was to inform private sector and law enforcement partners of in person and online doxing, potentially putting private sector, potentially putting private sector, local, state, and federal government individuals at risk of cyber stalking. And it refers to an online website. And I wonder what the website is, it? because it's never mentioned in the memo as if they didn't want their members, the InfraGuard and the, and the DSAC members, to find. To go and look at that website, which I think is targetedjustice.com, to see what that website really contains, because it is an eye-opener. If people who do this dirty job for the FBI on the ground, if they found out what it's all about, what kind of harm it does to people, they might change their mind. It also specifically mentioned in one city in-person harassment well that that is a word i would like to discuss with you because you can definitely sue for harassment so it describes in one city in-person harassment included hand delivered cease and deceased letters to victims uh, which included InfraGuard, office of emergency management personnel a federal government executive they were sent to a residential address and place of employment Flyers were distributed to neighbors accusing the victims of involvement in gang stalking. Interesting language that was used in the memo. The FBI in this memo is trying to frame targeted individuals as doctors. So very interesting language. It lists indicators of online doctors identified as targeted individuals. So it creates this very manipulative language. And whenever we know that they use this manipulative language all the time, indicators that you are facing a doxer identified as a targeting individual in threatening their victims, that is a twist of language. So the victims are not the targeted individuals. The, the doxers identified as targeting individuals are the perpetrators. And the victims are the members of InfraGuard and DSAC, etc. And they disseminated flyers, they hand delivering conspiracy letter. they delivered packages <laughs> to place of employment with return address, target justice. They couldn't even bring themselves to spelling it correctly because they. They kind of hiding the source of this information and disseminating duck, ducks and emails entitled cease and letter. So the answer from Targeted Justice, even though it is not about Targeted Justice, it's about an online website, as if there were another kind of website, <laughs> like uh, a website on uh, stone tablets. <laughs> of course, it's an online website. Mm-hmm. So this is the answer. Using public record is free speech. I think we all can all agree on about that. Distributing flyers is free speech. And harassment involves repeated threatening events. And there was no repeated events. It was a one-time event. We don't threaten. It's not a threat. We exercise free speech. I would like to hear your uh, analysis. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about this.
1: Well, if if I had a mirror, it's like they're projecting themselves. It's they they were just looking at themselves and and and
0: spewing all of this.
1: For one, there's no doxing going on because the information that the targeted justice put out there is public information. The you know, as you know, if you have if you own a property, your your property records are public. Your tax records, et cetera, it's public so the doxing part is completely inaccurate erroneous and and it's it's meant to create crime or a bad uh, a semblance of bad conduct when there isn't any our first amendment protects the freedom of speech of going out and disseminating information about matters that are of public interest and public concern that are really uh, important to you, and 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 that's that's the beauty of the First Amendment. They might not like it because we know that FBI doesn't like the First Amendment, but that but they are acting against the law when they're trying to curtail constitutional rights, like putting innocent people on a terrorist database, knowing that they are innocent people. So we already know that the FBI disregards constitutional precepts when putting you know taking away the freedom and happiness of people people's lives so it's no surprise that they say that targeted justice they don't say targeted justice but i can fill in the blanks it's targeted justice and in the city was in houston and uh, it's interesting because it, it they say it's a private company. It's not. It's it's con- completely controlled by the FBI. And the FBI, what one of the theories we have is FBI created it in order to avoid so that InfraGuard is not subject to FOIA because as as you know, FOIA applies to federal agencies, and then state agencies have their equivalent. So uh, anything going on with InfraGuard inside of them, right? Well. We cannot FOIA InfraGuard. However, it is our position that InfraGuard is wholly, it's owned by the FBI. When you send an email to InfraGuard, I think it's something like infraguard.fbi.gov, something like that. And um, so we, we have to look into that symbiotic relationship between those two, because I think it's pretty much like a shield to make it seem like a private enterprise, but it really isn't. It is important also that the InfraGuard people they have they get background checks but they don't get security clearances. And so but they get the TSDB. And it, at least here in Houston most of the people that work for InfraGuard have IT and you know all just computer programming background. So um, it is very likely that that it is InfraGuard that carries out the illegal surveillance of american citizens abusing section 702 of the fisa act okay and and that's you know they thought it was a perfect setup but but you know but no because you cannot be spying on american people without an article 3 court issued warrant with probable cause, so that's what InfraGuard does. Anyways, all the information that targeted is used is public. Like my mom used to say, if you don't want people to know the bad things you do, don't do them. That's simple. So I know it can be really embarrassing for the FBI to have you know people in the neighborhoods where these uh, targeting officers. Live to be uh, told to their neighbors that they are in fact engaged in this conduct of targeting innocent people and placing them on a terrorist database, but that's if that's the truth. You know, there's there's no illegal conduct going on. So now that's all I had to say. I I think that uh, they are doing a disservice because and, and unfortunately some targeted individuals. Sometimes, you know, echo, oh, you know, we had some person say atrocious things about us. And, and uh, you know, obviously those that see how much passion and work we put into this know that uh, our soul, we want to defund the FEI. We're going to shut down this program. And and we want freedom not just for targeted individuals but for generations to come because the way this was going, it was going to be you know a, a communist China all over the United States and the world. And we're going to continue doing it. We're going to continue knocking on doors and uh, and giving out flyers. You you better believe that.
0: And that's a promise, not a threat. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's nothing <laughs> nothing wrong.
0: Exactly. It's
1: peaceful. It's freedom. It's an exercise of free speech. There's no threats involved. It's peaceful. You know? And, and it's perfectly legal. And Absolutely. Targeted Justice will continue doing it until this program, this evil program, is shut down.
0: Yes. There's really nothing ambiguous about it. And just so... To finish with the Doxers memo, I wanted to put this <laughs> this, this really put a smile on my face because this um, memo advises uh, the members of the uh, community. If you feel threatened by hearing these words and phrases, call 911 and look at the list. Targeted, no, not targeted, target justice. Targeted individual. Oh, if you hear targeted individuals, you and you feel threatened, call nine one one. Ti, gang stalking, organized uh, gang stalking, voice to skull technology. Excuse me, this is the term that the U- U.S. Army invented. If that scares you, call nine one one. Directed energy weapons. It's in the budget. If I hear some. Things in the budget that scare me, I really should call 911. And also references to the racketeering, reference to racketeering and corrupt organizations. And also Geneva Convention and Human Trafficking. Just talking about it threatens you. Call 911. I want to be a, a fly on the wall during that call. Do you have anything to add, Anna?
1: Yeah, those are trigger, trigger words for them. And and if what I have to say is like one of our plaintiffs um, and it's alleged it's in the complaint, when targeted individuals call or do complaints to the FBI because of their hacking, which is carried out by them or their affiliates, um, about target about, you know, gang stalking. Or about directed energy weapons, their reply to one of our to one of our plaintiffs was, "Oh, and it, this was like out of a script. You people are all crazy." And she has it so recorded in her mind because it sounded exactly like when these people call and talk about this. This is what you have to reply: "You people are all crazy." And and so, you know, all of these words are trigger words to these people that live in their, you know, perfect little lives, perfect little homes, where they don't know what it is to be a targeted individual. And if only they could spend one day suffering through what their conduct by including innocent people in this terrorist database causes them, causes innocent people they would they would uh, think twice about these trigger words and instead would would uh, refuse to go along with the targeting of innocent people.
0: I agree. If there's any humanity left in their minds, that concludes our first issue of the FBI files, and we'll see what will uh, the FBI do next. I think this will be a regular segment on our podcast. And I'm I'm glad uh, we stumbled on it because this is by far our favorite agency. Today's show is coming to an end. And as always, we would like to hear from Anna. Uh, What would you like to say to our viewers at the end of today's show? Anna. Well, I just want to
1: say that I am. As hopeful as ever been that uh we're going to prevail that we're going to be free and despite uh, the delays in the adjudication of matters uh, i want you all to please stay united and keep uh, supporting us because more than more than this legal battle it is absolutely beautiful the unity in the ti community and we have to keep that going because that is the biggest threat to the criminals behind this program that is the biggest threat that we have been able to come together in a for and and create a force uh to be reckoned with so i just urge you to um uh, whenever somebody comes with some story, just ask, where did that come from? You know, Uh, because when things don't come from a good place, they can't hold any water. So that's just, I just want to thank for everybody, everybody that has supported us and continues to support us and particularly pray for us and pray for me. I really,
0: really appreciate it. Thank you. Len. Thank you, Anna. As to me, I'm going to call today's show, Sergio went to buy a car. Sometimes, <laughs> I'm glad you love. Sometimes the last name behind the legal cases sound cold and impersonal. And I don't want us to forget that behind every targeted individual, there is an actual person with his or her first name. This is how we relate to each other by our first names as real people. So it is Sergio, Richard, Karen, Anna, Devin, Len, who were defamed as terrorists, who were refused to buy a car, refused to send money, refused medical services, refused law enforcement protection. Only someone with complete lack of empathy would subject another human being to continuous torture using voice to skull, debilitating directed energy attacks, brain degradation, neurological and cognitive enslavement, psyops, organized stalking, organized vehicular stalking, sleep deprivation, projecting painful signals into one's brain, and more and more and more. To those who perpetrate these crimes against us, these individuals might be some abstract targets or avatars, but we are real people with real names, real lives, and real hopes. And no amount of cognitive dissonance you are awkwardly constructing in your head can take away the fact that we are real human beings, just like you. And if the roles were switched, you would be the one begging for empathy. It is Sergio, Richard, Karen, Devin, Anna, Len, whom you deprived of liberty, the most fundamental right we were born with. You did it remotely and cowardly, hiding behind technology, which you didn't develop. We paid for it. So until Sergio, Richard, Karen, Devin, Anna, Len, and every name on your secret list have our liberty back, we will be we will be here every sunday rain or shine